Sato, thank you for coming on. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Your podcast is Roger That. That's correct. <laughs> also, RogerThat.com. Um, our no. website is actually AskRogerThat. AskRogerThat.com. Okay. The name, Roger That. The name of my podcast is Roger That. That's correct. When? How long have you been doing it? Mm, Kelly and I have been doing this podcast... The, pro- the project of Roger That we've been doing for over a year. Oh, yeah. It's not just a podcast. But the podcast is, I think we released our first episode in December of last year. And it's like supplemental to the, to to the newsletter? broader or? project of Roger That. I would say the podcast is actually um, like our something we've put the most effort into for right now. I mean, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy. I'm really strapped. Yeah. <laughs> Strap for time, resources in, <laughs> frankly, energy. What, what's the rest of the nature of the project? The, the nature of the project is that we were intrigued and frustrated by the trends of communication in, like, modern culture, specifically ghosting. Okay. So, and like, dating communication or? Yeah. Dating communication, I think, is where it's most easy to talk about ghosting, mm-hmm. but we started doing a bit of kind of um research into it and and got a lot of feedback from people that they were experiencing ghosting in their friendships and their family relationships and also in uh work context as well which i think is like that's out in the i think that's out in the broader like online culture that that happens yeah but we were surprised like with the veracity that people were coming to us with in terms of wanting to talk about it and having a lot of thoughts and feelings about it people have a lot of grief people Um, have a lot of grief was it all mostly frustrated people expressing their frustration it was a lot of people expressing frustration but i think the most interesting part was that when we did our first we did a survey and a lot of people expressed um guilt and shame around but around having ghosted someone else interesting and so what we our kind of insider thesis was that the experience of getting ghosted and the experience of ghosting someone else the emotional toll is actually kind of similar in terms of the Mm -hmm. like loss of confidence and and sense of self that you end up with people you think that people suffer a loss loss of confidence when they ghost other people well (laughs) i don't think it's i don't think it's always as severe like i think the the impacts of getting ghosted are are maybe more consistent but a lot of people who ghosted and who like replied to our survey and talked about how they had ghosted people they felt like a sense of guilt and shame around it and it like impacted their feelings about how they were able to be in relationships interesting but i do think there's probably a self-reporting bias where people who are down to like admit that they ghost are also 
kind of maybe already a bit over it. They're the ones who have already felt bad about it. And, yeah. Uh, have yeah. reflected on their behavior. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a really weird thing to try to get data about because it's so hard to say if only the upset people are coming forward or so true. Yeah. I don't know. And then also like, <sighs> I was thinking about how times that I've ever been ghosted or have ghosted someone. <laughs> I was like, I don't, remember i don't remember ever being ghosted i'm sure that i've ghosted people i also don't remember well that is like something i was thinking about when i was making the when i was like adding to the list Mm -hmm. was which was the ghosting industrial (laughs) complex what what did that mean i I it's literally just like a joke i was just thinking (laughs) of it in the moment and i have not even fully formed the idea but what i was thinking of was like the fact that ghosting happening in our in our like culture relationships kind of leads to this cycle where you either get comfortable with it and mm-hmm. kind of grow stronger grow more confident grow into someone who also maybe ghosts people and doesn't care or you kind of become this like slimy sad like shell of a person and you look like kind of a loser yeah like I'm picturing guys who just like have this infinite roster um yeah like people who are using their phones just as like a sense of um to get a sense of validation where like you can't even keep track of all the people in there right like things are slipping through the cracks that is kind of like a shell of a person you can sniff those guys out sorry I'm using gendered but it feels like those people are also not it feels like sometimes I think from the outside, especially in dating, it feels like the people who are the most likely to ghost are also the people who are least affected by rejection. That's And maybe true. that's, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of the feeling you get. Like, why am I so sensitive? Like, why does this bother me? Yeah. And then you, I think often ultimately just become someone who is better at handling rejection, which is probably positive, but it can often feel like it's forced on you. Like, why can't I just be sensitive? Why do people treat me like this? And I'm the one who has to change. You're saying people who aren't sensitive? I'm saying like people who aren't really bothered by ghosting and maybe also ghost. Mm-hmm. It, ca- it can kind of feel like they're the ones with their kind of like thumb on the scale of like where culture is going. That is true. But then it also kind of feels like as someone who my hot take is I don't think that ghosting is that bad. Yeah. Um, it does kind of feel like we are forced to start living in to start uh, taking part in this society where like you have to be so careful about other other people's feelings and you have to like take responsibility for other people a lot and like on the whole I'm not going to say this like as something that's actually happening but it just feels like people are a lot less resilient and you have to kind of play into everyone's um neuroticism well that's kind of what I was wanting to somehow form a connection to was your idea of like is well, I'll let you take that away. It feels kind of like two things are going on where people, young people right now are extremely neurotic. Yeah. Do also, wait, why don't you, just for the listeners, yeah. explain neur- neuroticism? Because I, mean, I think I it's can't. such a fun word. You could probably explain it better than I am. Well, I'm I, don't, up the, I think the, it would be fun to do a uh, 
the definition, which is why I asked. Neuroticism, not to be confused with neurosis. Neurosis. Individuals who score high for neuroticism are more likely than average to be moody, to experience feelings of anxiety, worry, fear, anger, frustration, envy, jealousy, pessimism, guilt, depressed mood, and loneliness. Oh my God, that's all of us. Stacked (laughs) list. That's all of us. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the data, but it feels like people are more neurotic. Yeah. And I mean, I love chalking this up. Everyone loves chalking everything up to the phone. The phone, the device, <laughs> that little square in your pocket. This little trisket in your pocket. <laughs> I stole that from one of the girl geniuses. One of the boy geniuses. <laughs> oh my goodness. The girl genius. <sighs> um, these triscuits that these. control your life. And I mean, yeah, maybe. Mm. I don't really have a control for this. If anything, I almost wonder if the phone gives us more of an outlet for it, which lets us kind of romanticize our... Whereas in the past, like, being neurotic was kind of frowned upon, so you actually just got ostracized. And so there's something there. I don't want to jump ahead too quickly, but there's something there about, like, the constant availability of everyone else. Yes. Which I think does make you more neurotic versus... I don't know. It's so crazy whenever I hear my mom talking about back in the day... Mm like her boyfriends when she was in university and she's like you guys would just like he would come pick me up before school and then he would drop me off and we'd be like okay like maybe we'll meet at 6 p.m at this place and then like if they didn't show up they could have been dead (laughs) and i just wonder how people like i wish i could be a part of that you gotta throw your phone in the ocean yeah (laughs) <laughs> There's an easy solution to that problem. That is, I've thought about that honestly a lot. Know, but, but honestly, people who don't have like Instagram, I hate being one of these people, but I hate when I meet a new person and I'm like, oh, can I get your Instagram? Like, can we keep in touch? They're like, yeah. I don't have it. Like, well, they don't not really exist, unfortunately. I have, I made a new friend recently who doesn't have Instagram and I recently hooked her up with your brother. <laughs> <laughs> and we're editing this in post. Just kidding. <laughs> they have a date scheduled they next do? week. I think oh so. Oh yeah. my God. I feel like it's rarer for a girl to not have Instagram than for... I've know. dated some guys who don't have Instagram. She's young though. So maybe this is like the new Zoomerism. I mean, she's probably yeah. like your age. Yeah. Um, But it feels weird starting a friendship or like a relationship with someone who doesn't have that form of social media because you have to want to text them so bad you have to have something very <laughs> specific yeah you have to really be pretty brave yeah and i would say pretty it almost can feel a bit invasive like i remember my friends and i were talking about this back in the day back in snapchat days and the best way to start talking to someone <laughs> in snapchat days was through snapchat because yes. like it was the most casual Low stakes message. yes that's something i'm literally passionate about <laughs> is the difference in vibe and in the the perceived like the general public perceives a difference and uses different messaging platforms completely differently and why and how did we get there it's so cool to me and i mean instagram specifically i made note of this on our um on our running list of topics but like the neuroticism of zoomers in terms of dating with Mm. Like, keeping track of who watches your stories, yeah. who's following you, who blocked you. I blocked someone <laughs> recently, just on Instagram, and they texted me immediately. And what? Said, I, have an, I have an app that, like, I get notifications when someone blocked me. Why did you block me? Oh, so I was going to say, do they have an app? I can't believe they admitted that they have an app. Like, I know. It was, like, the first thing that they said. Like, who do I know this person? No. Okay. Some, <laughs> some person who, like, I don't really know that well. See, that to me is really 
something I would be ashamed to admit, even right? if I did have the app. Yeah. I've been I've downloaded those in the past. I used to have them. I think I feel like everyone did back, back when in they the were day. free, because I think there was a time where Instagram didn't really know how to. Yeah, they were easier to get. They didn't know how to block them out yet. I think you have a really interesting point, which is maybe that young people see and perceive dating almost like they're kind of like their own internal marketing team like analyzing data yeah in a way that just it doesn't lead to even like a healthy sense of distance from the things that go on in your own life Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were neurotic daters in the past I mean Sylvia Plath. <laughs> what? Was she, was she a neurotic dater? <laughs> well, I'm just, I feel like there were a lot of like people who were neurotic and obsessed with relationships and cr- and like completely crushed when things didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But when you can like see what people you're interested in are doing 24 seven, I don't think that's good for the brain. Yeah. And then the obsession see them watching with, you. like seeing when someone watches your stories, yeah. like follower accounts, I oh my god not to use gendered language but I'm gonna be using the shit out of gendered <laughs> language <laughs> hey uh. because I see girls on TikTok all the time like I get like tips of like hey ladies just so you know if you ever use your boyfriend's AirPods you're going to have their location on your phone forever that I I really really dislike it when people have their partner's phones access like I don't know why but it really bothers me it's neurotic and maybe i'll feel differently when i'm in a relationship but i just think if you need to be logged into your partner's like instagram or something that's such a red flag i don't know it's definitely kind of um it's leaning into like trust issues but maybe i mean i guess if you have trust issues then it would maybe alleviate them but i don't think so i don't think think it it would i think it's i think it's you it's not a growth space where you're not confronting the root of those issues yeah that's very true and you're just kind of um, indulging yourself um i'm really going hard we're gonna go hard on people today <laughs> no one's safe um you mentioned the other day that you were writing you wrote a piece about oh. like stalking someone's yes. girlfriend yeah and i can relate yeah in a big way i feel like that used to be a big problem for me really stalking people's Stalking, like, yeah, people that I was dating or even just, like, seeing. Yeah. And I, like, know everything about them. Yeah. Yeah. It's humiliating. I have, I, I currently have, like, I think, not currently, but I, I definitely do that. There are certain people, too, where even people that are just, like, other girls or random people that I compare myself to, where yes. I feel like I periodically, like, the thought pops into my head and I'm like, it's been four months. Like, I should check in on so-and-so, <laughs> you know? And it's yeah. like, this girl does not know me at all i know and you've like why am i obsessed with her make-believe relationship in your head yeah kind of creeps me out i know except there's this is totally tangential but there's this one yoga influencer that i used to follow when i was a teenager and i unfollowed her for whatever reason but then at several different key junctures like months and years apart i would think of her and i would look her up and every time I looked her up, something major had just happened in her life. Like what? Like the first time she was like, she had come out as a lesbian. And I was like, what? It literally like the day before or something. And I was like, how did I think of her? And then the next time it was something else. Like she'd gotten married or something. Anyway. You know what happened to me the other day? Crazy. 
I was thinking about Anderson Pock for some reason. Okay. And like Anderson Pock, big wife guy. I love wife guys. I love yeah. like celebrities who have like been dating, dating, have been married to their wives for 10 plus years. Yeah. Checked up on him the other day. So I was like, oh, I wonder if him and oh, his no. wife are still together. They broke up last month. No. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What is that? Um, and then also like <laughs> stalking people's Instagram to like see when they break up. Significant other. Yeah. <laughs> That one is that. Yeah, that is one that I think many, many of us do. You got to. One time someone just texted me like, hey, are you still dating so and so? And I was like, yeah, you lunatic. Oh, you wow. Here, here I love ask. how they were. That's kind of like, can you Google it? Kind yeah. of like, can you just <laughs> like Google you that? Figure that out <laughs> if you wanted to. Ah. <sighs> humiliating not really but this is the thing of like it's the directness (laughs) and this is another thing that i want to get into in terms of why i think that ghosting is okay and the directness and like Mm. the etiquette Mm -hmm. of um online dating culture Mm -hmm. i kind of would describe myself as someone who's indirect okay (laughs) and conflict avoidant and i think that you're conflict avoidant too oh okay (laughs) i I definitely am i definitely am (laughs) i'm just joking oh okay i guess oh okay so that's how you see me i guess (laughs) i'm not conflict avoidant right now (laughs) Uh, but that's why i don't every time that i have been seeing someone and i'm not interested anymore like i i think a tasteful ghost is a definitive answer yeah and i think it's 100% okay I think that it's there's a way to do it tactfully and tastefully yeah that everyone deserves and just like no one has any discretion anymore everyone's what do you mean by like explain I think what you mean by a tasteful ghost or even like logistically what is that for you I mean trying to draw on my own experiences from what I can remember Mm -hmm. uh whenever I would hang out with someone and they wanted to see me again I was always like, yeah, I'm really busy, but like, I'll let you know Mm -hmm. when something opens up (laughs) and then you just never do. Right. So easy. And did those people often follow up again or do you think they kind of got the memo after you didn't like, was it kind of like one, two, three They always followed up a couple times, but then you just keep doing the same thing and eventually (laughs) the message is clear. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a there is a like new term for that which I think is the slow fade. Okay. Or then what the fuck is ghosting then? Well, and I know. <laughs> I think so at least for how we've defined it for Roger that mm-hmm. ghosting is kind of a sudden abrupt end in communication when the other person actually has good reason to expect it to continue. Like for mm-hmm. example, you know, you're chatting with someone they you know you ask them on a date they say yes you make plans the next day hey are we still on for tomorrow no response Mm -hmm. I would consider that a ghost I think what's like a slow fade is when you kind of gradually stop talking to someone and start spending you start um increasing the amount of time in between each response or something like that so yeah, I guess when you put it that way, ghosting is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> She's on board, folks. Ghosting. But who does that? I guess I just don't. I don't know. That doesn't really exist in my in the, the universe. The interesting thing about what you said is you were saying that you think of yourself as indirect. Yeah. Which I can't speak to your like dating persona or whatever. But I kind of think of you as someone who's 
precise with like language and also pretty socially capable I'm pretty evasive. Interesting. And I don't like hurting people's feelings. Yeah. Um, like, I will never... If we have a problem, I'll never, like, tell it like it is. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just avoid the situation. Do you think also that you have... Um, I, I feel like sometimes people who are a little more comfortable with ghosting are also more comfortable with getting ghosted. Yeah, that makes sense. And that I'm tracks. not sure what... I think maybe those people are more confident in dating in general. I'm very okay with getting ghosted, honestly, but I give people a lot, a lot of space. Mm. I'm not coming after you. Yeah. I don't chase. <laughs> I don't chase. I attract. <laughs> I'm, I'm very attractive. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that, at least for me, I feel like I kind of chase oh you do you're a chaser I think I'm a chaser <laughs> unfortunately and I'm super earnest which it's like I mean that's lovely. part of me that's so sweet well <laughs> part of me is like life would be easier if that wasn't the case no and I think ghosting getting ghosted can be harder when you obviously when you care mm -hmm. but the thing about dating in like the modern day is it is pretty gamified so gamified. And so oh, I've always said that um, dating is a game and uh, I, I want to win. <laughs> and I feel like you get I feel like there are people who just like have game and I do think you have it. I was, and so I can see how ghosting and getting ghosted would impact you a bit less, which I think maybe makes is maybe a case for like the neuroticism of Zoomers. And maybe it's also like an insecurity where it's kind of like, damn, I feel like I could be more like kind of baller but I'm mm -hmm. just not I mean do you actually feel do you feel neurotic and obsessive mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think yeah okay. yeah because I mean I also feel that way too sometimes yeah but I don't like again I have no control for this I don't know what is normal versus what's not like I'm looking at people mm -hmm. that they're like who's liking their photos on Instagram and shit like that where like whenever I bring it up to Ruby's like what the fuck are you talking about how did you know that this person unfollowed this person like I'm just a woman I, know. I just know these I'm just, things I'm just a girl I feel like I'm I have had phases where I'm super neurotic about social media like that like piece that I wrote but I feel mm -hmm. like for me it's more like I'm more when there's someone I'm interested in I'm more neurotic about like reading into what they said and like okay. thinking about texting them and then like you know do you think about the time in between texts I think I do I do think about the time in between texts I, because I usually too. I'm like I think usually I'm also more communicative than the other person you're responding so I also quickly. feel like often feel like I'm like oh I should be holding back yeah so but then I part of me really hates the game of dating and it's kind of like okay like you know let's just hold out for someone who's not playing the game but it's I think it seems that most people and I feel like I'm gonna regret saying this I feel like people's confidence in dating comes when they stop caring about the rules of the game but by but by doing that they actually become a better player of the game and Wait. they're ultimately still part of it i can see why it might be no i don't know i think that i can also imagine a type of person who is like very earnest and very confident but like knows what they want and kind of doesn't fuck around right yeah 
Those people are. Those people definitely exist. They are a little hard to find. <laughs> I've always said that, you know how people say, I don't like playing games. I don't like playing games. I don't want to play games. Yeah. I've always been like, I love to play games. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is something I wish I understood. Because oh, I think it would make life more fun. No, it's definitely like bad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it is fun and for a while i was kind of like floating this theory that i think women specifically hate like ghosting breadcrumbing mm-hmm. gaslighting because they can't really do it <laughs> well i think that that is an interesting part of the conversation mm-hmm. and kind of maybe at the heart of why it's hard to talk about and make changes to this phenomenon mm-hmm because it's not first of all it's not a gendered it's not completely gendered and actually women ghost more than men really have you seen the stats on that um yes i cannot tell you where i saw those stats (laughs) just google it (laughs) we'll have uh, the fact checkers check that but (laughs) (laughs) but women do ghost more than men interesting because i think they have more reasons too like i think they have like safety reasons and regular reasons Listen, we're not out here to give that kind of advice. <laughs> um, but I think that the people women who are, are ghosting most pissed, more? the most the people who are most pissed about ghosting are usually women. Too. Yes. Yeah. So and I often feel a bit frustrated because I'm like, women are out here talking a big talk, talking about how men are such bad communicators, but they're ghosting all the time too. Interesting. So women are ghosting men. Or are women ghosting women? Are women ghosting days? We have not done specifically (laughs) research into the queer communities, but I am almost certain that the days and the gays are ghosting a lot too. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You have to. Okay. We were at a dinner the other night and this topic came up. We were talking to Nathan. Is that his name? Were you there? Was I there? Yeah. Okay. We were talking about this phenomenon exactly. And he was saying when he goes on a date, as soon as <laughs> should we leave his name <laughs> no <laughs> that's fine okay um he was saying that when he goes on a date like immediately when he gets home <laughs> if he isn't feeling it he's like hey oh, yeah. like the vibes weren't vibing like yeah you know i'm like hey really thank it. you so much for that like wasn't feeling the connection but i wish you the best of luck i absolutely hate that if anyone ever sent that to me oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i think that Part of what Roger that is advocating for is kind of more of that behavior. No. <laughs> and so, Sorry. no, so it's, it's, int- it's an interesting question because it's like, is that the solution? And I think there is something, there can sometimes be something a bit annoying about the imperative to communicate like that. Mm-hmm. I think that it, that intention or that energy is something I really like. But when people do that in a weird, obligatory, or, like, performative way, it can feel really lame. I always disliked it because, to me, it always conveyed the energy that... Or it conveyed the assumption that I am really interested and I liked you a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be like, oh, no, actually, I'm just not feeling it. Sorry. I'm like, I didn't like you either. Yeah. Like, I wasn't... No, that makes sense. I, And... And... Then we kind of get to this area of like beating someone to the punch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I would hate to get beaten to the punch. Yeah. You're very, cause you're, you specifically are kind of like, I'll have the last word is sort of your, 
five. Do, do, do you think? I think you said that the other night. Did I? <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> I understand that. Like, it can kind of be like, hey, ugh. So sorry to like I, let you down, I but know you liked me I so didn't much. love that date, like our first date. And it's kind of like, babe, why do you think I haven't texted you? I know. <laughs> like I remember once specifically, I hadn't even met up with with this guy. We were just like texting, I think, for like a couple weeks. Yeah. And then we didn't talk for a little while, and he messaged me like, "Hey, so sorry that I, like I fell off." I've just been like really focused on my recovery or something. And like, I'm really busy with my non-binary polyamorous asexual long distance relationship. Oh my gosh. Bro, sorry you, can't, you can't make this shit up. It's always, okay, never mind. <laughs> and I was like, bro, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You don't, we don't even know each other. I didn't, I hadn't thought about you. I am starting to wonder just ghost me like a normal person yeah i'm starting to wonder if those types of misunderstandings or like incorrect analysis of like what a relationship is are just part of what makes life hilarious and just like part of why dating is kind of the most endlessly funny and challenging thing in the world Mm -hmm. people are addicted to it they can't get away (laughs) they can't get away (laughs) Doing this in the same room is so fun. Have you never done it? In no. No. Are you normally? We normally do ours on a program called Riverside because it's really good for interviewing. Mm-hmm. But doing it in the same room is unmatched. I hate doing them distanced. I turn into like a shell of myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This made me think about something that you mentioned earlier the difference between ghosting in like a work environment in between ghosting in a friendship because I don't know I guess I this isn't really something that I ever hear people talk about and it's definitely not something that's ever affected me Hmm. like I know that people don't respond to emails okay yeah and that bothers me but (laughs) whatever (laughs) I don't know yeah versus like ghosting in a friendship I couldn't imagine being really, really good friends with someone and they could like completely fall off the face of the earth. I know. Um, I don't know. Do you have any experiences with this? Um, Do you hear any stories about this? I've heard a lot of stories about this. For me personally, I haven't had that happen in a friendship situation. I mean, I've had friendships that got kind of weird and like, you know. Did you break up? I, I have had sometimes a friendship breakup. Oh, I've never done that. Um, yeah, I don't love the whole concept of it but i have i have been a part of it um all of mine have been slow fades yeah i feel like friendships often slow fade yeah which can feel kind of like the right way to do it i don't know friendships are seasons french yeah sometimes it's just not the season i know and sometimes the season comes back around later exactly it's like an annual thing in the times we've like talked to people and surveyed people a lot of them have said that they've had friendships where they got ghosted or or just where something like really challenging happened to them in the communication that just left them feeling pretty ghosted like I think there's sometimes nuance to what happens to people but and then I think post pandemic maybe or in this kind of weird job era that we're in a ton of people have been incredibly frustrated by getting ghosted in 
job application I've processes. I've been ghosted by recruiters so many times that yeah. you bring it up. It's a, it, an extremely common occurrence to yeah. the point that you can't even get offended by it. I know. I mean, and I've also heard of a lot of people getting ghosted, you know, when they're one of five applicants at the end of an interview process. Yeah, and wild. it's like, that is a realm that we, in, with Roger, that we haven't like specifically dived into yet because we we you gotta get want a recruiter to. on <laughs> yeah if we can get one to reply to us <laughs> exactly bro i've been saying so i know that like with all the tech layoffs recruiters are usually the first ones to go mm. and i think they deserve it <laughs> i mean recruiters are so bad at some grief yeah oh my god it it's infuriating well so clearly you're frustrated by it yeah clearly <laughs> i mean it is frustrating like especially in the age of CRMs and AI, like why can you not have an automation set up? I know. Like what is wrong? But then with also you? I get the automated email. I'm like, I don't fucking care about this. Get this yeah. on my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> don't even come at me with this. <laughs> <laughs> like I know. And then you're going to keep me, you're going to keep my email in case there's any new opportunities and you're not. Anyway, but so this circles back to, um what we were talking about earlier with like the constant availability of people yeah um, we expect people to be constantly available mm-hmm. to us yeah they also can be constantly available to us if they like us enough yes which is probably like the biggest flaw of I know, technology it's a crazy expectation it's a crazy expectation it's a crazy possibility it's crazy that it happens and then it inevitably ends like you could be with the love of your life and once you've been together for a while, like there's no way you're texting each other every five minutes. Oh God, just no. not how life works. And then there's the reality of like different people are different and like some people like that. Some people don't. I don't know. I genuinely don't know how to navigate that. I think if there's one thing I'll say, it's that texting as a, a super key input into like how a early stage relationship is going is probably one of the worst things you could do whoa that's interesting like I just think the talking stage happening over text is messing with a lot of people I love talking I mean I I love talking too and no, don't get me wrong state. if I could have a talking stage over text yeah. pff, thanks slide into my dams <laughs> I'm literally down <laughs> But I just think it's really challenging for, especially for kind of neurotic people like me. What's challenging about it? It's like you're you're always wanting a little bit more. Mm. You're also, I think I'm often projecting onto this person their emotional capacity or like even just how they are. And then I've had one relationship where the person was boring in person. Oh, but they were just... They were better over text. Yeah. So over text, it was kind of like a... It, there were two different relationships going on. Interesting. And they weren't progressing equally. It's because they had the time to come up with these, like, quippy remarks. I think so. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it was so lame. <laughs> Sorry to say. That does suck. Because in my experience, I love texting people. Um, and I love the stage of when you are first dating someone and you like each other so much oh you get i to know text all the time i mean i'm kind of jaded because i think i haven't had a lot of fun okay so another thing is like nowadays what do you think of the roster oh man because like tinder also i'm i'm like old i'm 
I hate when people who are like 27 are like, I'm so old. <laughs> I'm such a geezer. Oh, such an elder, but <laughs> I'm like being such a millennial right now. But like I'm most fam- familiar with Tinder. I feel like Hinge had a big upswing mm-hmm. in the past few years. Um, I haven't really used it. I think I've used like Bumble. Definitely not Raya. As soon as you moved to New York, everyone... That fucking, like, the girl who works at the cafe is on Raya. I, some of the people I know who are on Raya. I know. Ma- I, I know Made so me feel that that app is not what it claims to be exactly. anymore. <laughs> um, anyway. If I was on there, it wouldn't be what it claims to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't get on there. But the Compromise of all these dating apps, I think it really, really gives way to the roster. Right. Which I don't. I would have to ask someone of an older generation if it always used to be this way. Which the roster is the the idea or the practice of having multiple mm-hmm. people that you're casually dating at the yeah. same time. Mm-hmm. People who you're in contact with, many people you're texting, hooking you're up with, yeah. you're going out with. But it's like, it's, it's multiple. <sighs> I think we need to back it up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> The roster. The zinning distracted me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I I had to zin real quick. Sorry, Anna was zinning off mic. (laughs) (sighs) The roster. What do you think of the roster? Do you think it's disrespectful? Or do you think it's just kind of like part and parcel with what people are doing now? It's very, it's quite whorish, I will say. Whorish. These, these whores are on the rosters. (laughs) I think that a lot of people seem to have one. I wonder like how many people truly have a roster and maybe that's me projecting myself onto other people because I certainly don't have one and I've mm-hmm. never really had a roster. Yeah. I am curious what it takes to maintain a roster, even just like time wise. Yeah. So it's not something I understand. And frankly, I don't think it's something I could pull off. You are not polyamorous. I am <laughs> unbearably monogamous at this time. <laughs> it's the one thing I haven't been able to shake from my Christian upbringing. I just... I bring it up because every time I've ever been quote unquote ghosted or I've gone on a date with someone, Mm. I've gone on a few dates or like I'm seeing someone and they just kind of like, it just ends. I 100% of the time safely assume they just got back together with their ex. Mm. That's, (laughs) and also if you're listening to this and that's ever happened to you, you should assume that that's always what happens. It, it feels like it, if you're not 17, that's yeah, exactly the case. 17, I was getting back together with my ex when I was 17. <laughs> Actually, so was I. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the best time it's to be doing it. the best t- and some may say only acceptable time to be doing it. I've also been getting back with my exes ever since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're saying that... Sorry, can, I, can you connect this back to the roster for me? I mean, just like the other people that they're talking to. There's always someone else who's in the rotation. Yeah. And that personally i don't take things as as personally right when things end because i'm always like people have whole other lives going on yeah they have a bunch of shit that i don't know about right he probably has um some other relationship that's been going on for four years yeah i'm like i get it because honestly i probably i've definitely done that too i think that maybe my take on that is that maybe you are in having those beliefs and in knowing those things, which are often just truths about dating, mm-hmm. can't really change what it is. So we're kind of just analyzing it. The like knowing those things is part of what makes it possible to date without losing your mind. And I think a lot of people, and I think I would put myself in this category. 
are kind of in the process of learning that through like life experience yeah trial and error trial and error yeah exactly where it's like yes of course people are going out with multiple people and you should probably always assume that especially if you're on an app Mm -hmm. but when you really don't want to believe that or you know sometimes people give off false impressions that's true or you're you what i do often is kind of romanticize this person and think because i like them of course they're the kind of person who wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. and so then you end up kind of getting yourself hurt which is something that was on your list which was why am i wait why do people want to get their feelings hurt why do people want to get their feelings hurt which at first i was kind of like oh i don't and then i sort of thought about it and i was like dang you do maybe i do or it's not that i do but it's like i am going about things in a way i think that people are kind of unable to sit with the mystery <laughs> um and they really want a specific reason versus me personally i do n- i never want to know specifically why someone doesn't like me yeah i am never the person who follows up with the recruiter after i get rejected from a job to be like can you tell me why yep i don't want to know i want to like stay in my own um i want to stay in my own delusional bubble yeah like when something goes badly with someone like oh they probably just didn't like me because i'm such a genius which well gorgeous and i like think that's a good delusion to have actually (laughs) just to be clear though you're talking about like rather than you'd rather maintain mystery rather than getting a text that's like hey you were like your personality was not my like fave. So that's why then it's I don't a firm rejection. Yeah. <clears throat> Instead of just like a, oh, like, I don't know what happened. We just kind of lost touch. I mean, like, just to be clear, I don't think you should be not ghosting. I don't think you should be like, instead of ghosting people, telling them why you don't like them. I think that is not tactful. It's not graceful. It's not even kind. So, but you just want someone to message you and be like, hey, it wasn't the vibe. Like, I didn't really see the... I think people could be more comfortable with just a simple, like, yeah, I guess like a simple kind of breakup text or a breakup message, you know? Does that that not make you more sad, though? Well, it it is harder because it's an instant, like, moment of rejection. But I think what's really hard about getting ghosted for people is that it's an ambiguous form of rejection where they're not sure whether they're rejected or not and whether it's their fault or not. Cause it kind of can leave you with the feeling of like, Whoa, did some, did I do something? Like, is there genuinely maybe something I did? Like, I think what, what happens is that people feel can feel really strung along because sometimes Mm -hmm. you can get ghosted by someone who pops back up because they didn't reject you initially, like explicitly now they're leaving the door open for themselves later on. And if someone already kind of has like a low sense of confidence in that area, they're going to be really susceptible to that. It's not going to go well for them. That's very true. And I mean, now that you say that, that makes sense. Um, I think that personally, I love leaving the door open. Right. Which there's a time and place for. Yeah. And like, I've had, I'm literally having that happen to me right now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll edit it out. And I'm kind of like... What's the situation? The situation is like... <laughs> should I just like go into full detail? Yes. The situation is this like random like skater that I hooked up with at a party one time. Classic. Love a skater. And um, we hooked up like two times or something like that. And then I think 
I kind of was so earnest and was just like, hey, I'm like kind of looking for something serious. Like, and he was like, and I was like, I'm not asking you to date me. Mm -hmm. I'm actually just trying to like scare you off. And I totally did. Like he just like left in a hurry and (laughs) never texted me. Um, But left the door open. But then I didn't mean to leave the door open, but he like tried to get back in the door. Mm -hmm. I think me being in New York is really cool to him. I mean, it'll cool to especially those types. <laughs> they love an open door. They love an open door. So they I can know. Skateboard right through Fuck. it. <laughs> Alling right into. <laughs> Listen, it's part. It's partly on me because I'm the one who's replying. <laughs> We're not talking. We're not in a talking <laughs> stage. I mean, I do understand now. Like it's more respectful. I think what I'm starting to formulate based on this conversation is sort of a really maybe just an unfun kind of nuanced take, which is just like there's a lot of things about ghosting that can hurt people. But there's also a lot of things about life that hurt. Exactly. And going growing up and getting more confident and becoming more self-assured is part of life Mm -hmm. and nowhere is it more visceral than in dating for people who already struggle with self-confidence i'm not saying that if you're sad about getting ghosted you're not confident Mm -hmm. but for me personally dating is somewhere where my confidence is often at its lowest yeah so i mean it's so vulnerable it's so vulnerable your your dreams are often like for me my dreams are so big and like people are so different And so I look back sometimes and think the times when I was most pissed at people, I was also the most naive. Mm -hmm. And the things they were doing to me, you know, it wasn't nice, but I also was naive in thinking it was something else. Have you gotten jaded yet? Have you stopped like romanticizing or getting too hyped up at certain possibilities? I think I'm honestly hopefully getting there, but I don't. I don't think I'm fully jaded. The problem is... I think because I don't have a roster, I have like, it's almost like birth, like after birth, those hormones come back in and you forget. I'm have, I have that. I mean, it's true. I don't know. know. Like I, I find that I'm such a, I don't want to say protective, but like Mm -hmm. even when I'm meeting someone, okay, first, the reason why I don't have a huge problem with ghosting is like, I know right when I meet someone, like I love you and I'm going to date you. See, but you have like this confidence of being like, and you're going to want to date me back. (laughs) I think people who really, yeah, I don't know. I think usually I'm operating from like a scarcity place of like, this person probably won't like me back. But I am kind of neurotic in the way that like, I do assume that I assume Mm. that like it, I don't know, it's going (laughs) to happen, might not work out. So like, I'm going to play it so cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I play it very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Even like, I remember my second boyfriend I liked him so much (laughs) and I met him. Uh, We met at a music festival and like I knew his little sister already. He was older than me. And then like months later I saw him on Tinder and I swiped left because I would like, wow, bold. Bold. (laughs) I didn't want, I like the suspense was, the the suspense was too much. I didn't want to know if he liked me back. Yeah. Like it was too overwhelming for me where I was just like, no. Oh my God, wait, so you didn't match at all. And then I eventually remade my Tinder and then I saw him again and I matched and then we dated for like two years. That's iconic. I know, <laughs> but like I was so scared. Yeah, yeah. And I was like so avoidant and like playing it too cool. 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> I feel like I've had, I have for the last couple like people I've been into have sort of tested out the opposite, which is like, I'm going to be so bold. I'm going to be so like initiative taking mm-hmm. and just be direct or not even just direct, but just like, why should I have to hide? hide yeah. Or, like play it Not cool. even like, yeah. And, and that I would say is how I want to operate. And I just don't think it's always well received. I don't want to tell people that they shouldn't do that. I just think that, unfortunately it doesn't always work especially when you're a woman Mm -hmm. and I don't think there's a good solution to it because I want people to be who they are and I guess part of me is just sort of like I'm gonna wait for someone who's like actually likes me but um I mean it's sad because you want to be earnest and earnestness is great and I feel like everyone appreciates it no but you're not everyone appreciates it I don't think so unless I'm being earnest in a weird way (laughs) I'm being earnest in a fake, inauthentic, not earnest way. <laughs> I mean, no, I feel like people do like it. Everyone likes to be liked. True. So what do you think is the problem? With me? <laughs> in your experience. I don't, you know, I think that part of this project of Roger That is that I'm just so interested in the whole experience in what people's problem is no just I, I I'm so interested in like the problems I've experienced in trying to date mm-hmm. but I have never seen myself as like an expert I actually don't feel like I understand dating at all I, I think I'm terrible at, I think I'm a terrible dater I do <laughs> terribly on date like on apps and I don't think I'm made for this world of dating I always say that dating is like a muscle it's like a practice which sucks because you have to like do it a lot yeah um i always i have no idea because i've never been reviewed by anyone who i've ever dated but i always felt good on dates yeah i feel like i'm kind of like i feel good on dates i just don't always feel good in those type in those relationship contexts like Mm -hmm. where you're going on your like fourth date with someone or like but it's so funny because there's this dichotomy with young people right now, according to the data and the mm. research that I've seen, um, where everyone's lonelier than ever. Right. They're having way less sex. Way less. Than ever. But then it's like all the dating apps and people are treating dating like a game. And It's like, how are we dating so much? And yet so little. And so little at the same time. And something that I'm really curious about is people calling everything a situationship or people I can't I genuinely can't tell if people are having relationships or not (laughs) do you you know what I mean yeah Yeah. because I I know people where they talk about things or maybe this is like more like TikTok and social media you kind of see someone talking about something and part of your brain is like girl like that's not your ex you guys didn't date but then I I've gone out with people where I think they probably called what happened between us a situationship. And I'm like, we just didn't, we were dating, but we didn't call it that because you didn't want to call it that, right. but it was dating. I love referring to someone who I went on three dates with as my ex. I <laughs> <laughs> And maybe that's part, I think sometimes that's a little bit part of like reclaiming the stupid yeah, I think non-dating dating world that we yeah, live in. Yeah. It's being like, yeah, that's my ex. He doesn't funny. know it though because uh, he never wanted to date me. <laughs> He doesn't know because we weren't dating. He doesn't know it because we... But he uh, is my ex. <laughs> I also ex. mark relationships as like 
when we stopped sleeping together or i mark it as for when sure. i got over it oh <laughs> <laughs> like we were together for six beautiful years <laughs> It has happened where like I've broken up with someone and I continue to see them yeah. or like it's complicated for like maybe a year or two. Yeah. And like I pretty, I, I will include that in the relationship. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. No, that's I think all that, my relationships have been seven years. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, how old are you really? <laughs> I'm 49. <laughs> but I don't know. Cause uh, another thing is that I think a lot of young people, like there's a huge population of young people who I, who are antisocial, who I'm not hanging out with. They Mm. aren't Brooklynites. (laughs) They aren't in the Lower East Side. You aren't seeing them at the club. You aren't meeting them. They might be Brooklynites. No, no. Cause like these are the people who aren't dating, who aren't having sex. And I think that it's like the silent majority. Listen, everyone in New York, just to be clear, everyone in Brooklyn here is having sex. Okay. That's exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to be having more, you should... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now I'm going to stop myself. Honestly, probably. I think that there's there's truth to that, which is maybe that the people who are struggling the most are the hardest to find. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, if you're struggling with loneliness and isolation and confidence and having trouble being out there, yeah, you're, you're not out there. Which is so understandable because out here sucks. I know. But it's also really fun. I do see a lot of people struggling with things that that feel like something i wish we were all collectively better at like like what like having you know conversations about what you're looking for or knowing when something isn't working or you know being able to tell when someone you're going out with is actually kind of not into you mm-hmm. and, and i've struggled with that at times where i'm kind of like looking back I could have been dating other people or I could have been really just holding it at arm's distance, but instead I was really invested Mm -hmm. and maybe that's part of growing up. But I also think that for whatever reason, it seems to be something that like my generation or our generation is like really struggling with. I mean, I would agree on the converse. I was talking to a friend recently who's like super hot. She lives in Miami. Um, and she was talking about all the first dates that she's been going on Mm -hmm. where like, it just feels like an interview Oh, and it's so serious and it's like people just Miami. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's like fun down there. I mean, she's like a, like she has a good job. She makes a bunch of money. She lives in a great apartment. She's like in the 1% probably of hot, hot female singles. Right. Um, and the guys that she's dating, they're so serious. They're, like, probably in their 30s, probably mm. looking at settling down. And they're, like, asking her if she wants to have kids. Oh, wow. Stuff on the That's wild. Date. That is, like, so the opposite of the general experience I've had with men. Really? Yeah. It's just people, like, looking for a good time. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's funny because, again, a lot of the, like, professional singles that I know mm-hmm. who are pretty serious, like, good jobs, mm-hmm. looking for a relationship... I hear a lot about people going out on like coffee dates oh, like, yeah. for a walk. I think <laughs> I was talking about this the other night. And like to me, that's not sexy. That's not fun. Yeah. That's not a format in w- which you would fall in love with someone. I know. And I, I personally, for me, right, at least right now, my kind of like outlook on dating apps is that they're just not the environment where I can actually fall in love with someone and that is really what I'm looking for Mm -hmm. you know I think that it 
they ca- those types of dates cause me to do mind games with myself. How? Where I'm like, you know, I guess I could see potential in this person or I guess, you know, maybe I'll come around to something that's not there yet. Because how could anything be there? It's a stranger. Yeah. You know? And I know, I know, I know, I'm sure it happens for some people. I don't know what to add on to it, except that it's just really weird. It's weird out there. Things are weird. I mean, it's happened for me. It's happened for you. From a, from a dating app or from like a first date? Tinder date. Damn. I have a Snapchat saved in my phone of when he went to the bathroom and I Snapchatted my friend. I was drunk. Yeah. I was like, I'm in love. Okay. (laughs) I mean, listen, like... I, I do think it's possible. I know it it's is. happened for a lot of people. And I, I truly do think that dating is a numbers game. Yeah. Unfortunately. I think you're right about the that. The of us. Yeah. Um, and do you think that dating apps are a net good or a net negative? Oh, my God. I have no idea. <laughs> I literally have no idea. I know. It's kind of a hard question. I would trend toward net good. Hmm. I've had good experiences. But I think the culture in which it's influenced dating in, into yeah. being in, in its current state, hmm. I can't say if it's net negative. It's definitely different. I feel like... But people are more accessible. People are more accessible. I think it's introduced like a level of thoughtfulness or awareness around dating. I think probably... Maybe we'll look back in like 50 or 70 years and recognize that we were also at a bit of a pivotal time in terms of, I honestly want to say like women's independence. Yeah. Is that kind of, I, like, I don't, I don't mean to be so cringe, but I just think that like past generations of women have not had the, really the freedom to like be kind of openly promiscuous, have like ownership over their dating life, have a career at the same time. And so I think maybe, maybe is there a world where things are just sort of like still leveling out right now in a really confusing way? I mean, in New York specifically, women are in a crisis. Yeah. In terms of dating, because there are so many like high value, uh, successful women who are looking for a man of the the same caliber. Mm -hmm. And I think the ratio is like two to one at this point. That's so scary. I know it's bleak. That's why whenever I meet a guy who's like having a hard time dating, I'm like, literally how? Literally how? I I think if you're a guy and you want to date at all, (laughs) you're the luckiest person in the world. (laughs) 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 If you're ready to have a girlfriend, the world's your oyster. Yeah. Honestly. There are so many incredible girls out there. I agree. Especially in New York, apparently. I actually haven't dated in New York yet. Well, strap in. I have a feeling it's like not bad. I don't know. Because truly, I mean, I'm saying it's a numbers game. and I'm like quoting all these like stats and data. Mm -hmm. But all you need is one fucking person. I know. You need one person. Yeah. I think every time you have a relationship or you date someone, you do learn more about what you're looking for and what you like in people. And then the next time it's like easier for you to identify that. It's kind of like pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. That's true. And the more you can recognize it, the more you trust yourself when you see it or find it and the less you question everything. And I do think that my perspective on dating so far has just been that there's been a lot to learn. And so I assu- I'm like assuming there's still probably a lot more to learn. 
And I think a lot of people who are young people who are struggling probably just like still have a lot of life left to live. That's true. So and so I want that to be like encouraging where it's like we just got to keep going, you know, but I also know people are really I see a lot of sort of sad sort of struggling feelings of like, why haven't I had a relationship, which then pushes people into the wrong relationships. That is true. Out of what? Desperation? Yeah. Or just desire. But is that just a part of life? Hasn't that always happened? Yeah. They're all learning experiences. They're learning experiences. I feel like I'm going down this route where everybody's gripes about dating are just like because they have further to go in life and I know people are going to be really pissed about that and I think in my just in my mind right now I'm really kind of thinking of people my age and younger I'm not really how old are you I'm 23 whoa yeah not really I'm not really capable of speaking to them like the 33 35 single experience would you want to meet your life partner at 23 not really which I think is part of the problem yes exactly then you just have to like fall in love with someone and then it's gonna end well i think part of what i have is like this prem like this pretty realistic premonition of like i probably won't meet my life partner in 23 and so then there's kind of this sad feeling of like who are these people then <laughs> Wait, the people <laughs> that i'm meeting, meeting. <laughs> like I what mean, am i supposed just, to do about this people. i think I'm so such a person who's like all in and I want to believe things are forever because that makes it like more fun to be a part of and easier. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really gotten over that yet. So. Okay. Anyway, let's go to the list. Oh, saying it to their face. Oh, yeah. I was I didn't know what that was. I wrote that because Kay. in the era where everyone is available to us, if you were going to confront someone for ghosting you okay let's remove phones completely let's take it back to the 1980s okay you go on a date with someone and you're like yeah we had a good time maybe let's do this again and then they don't call you yeah if you saw them at a bar or if you saw them out would you say hey what happened yeah in the way that you would text someone hey where did you go you didn't follow up so you say to are you asking that as a rhetorical question to kind of say so why are you texting them that Yes. I think to me personally, the answer is kind of, I'm sure it's pretty variable. I'm sure there are people in the past who were like, ah, oh my God, I just saw like Rocky at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw ASAP Rocky. I just saw ASAP Rocky at the bar. That's today. (laughs) I think that people did probably say like, why didn't you call me? I wonder if it was maybe just the just a personality thing, and it just depended on who the I person was. I would never, unless I was like really drunk. You would run I and hide. I would not. I wouldn't r- run and hide. Oh. I would. I would You'd just shut them up. Oh, um, I've always said this slight tangent, but one of the consequences of living in a small town is you get really good at having conversations that would otherwise be awkward. Yes, which is a skill. That's a skill I think people really don't have. Yeah. Like seeing your ex at a bar. Yeah. When you live in a small town, you're going to see you're your gonna. ex at the bar all the time. Right. You are going to work at the restaurant where your whole ex-boyfriend's family is going to come in and you're waiting on them right. for brunch. And that's actually a skill I really wish that I had. I think I have it more than some, but not as many, not as much as I could. But I'm not very confrontational. So if I saw someone and this has happened to me, this has this has happened to me exactly. I have ghosted someone. Yeah. And then I see them at the bar and they're like, hey, what happened? I'm like, oh, I've just been so busy, but it's so great to see you. <laughs> they're texting you later like, it was so good to see you. <laughs> you're like, 
yeah i'm busy (laughs) i think it's just tactful it's nice to talk to people but you don't have to again yeah to me it goes back to like why do you want to get your feelings hurt why Mm -hmm. can't we just have like a nice pleasant conversation and we're friendly and just because i don't want to date you doesn't mean i didn't enjoy the date totally i don't enjoy i don't think that you're a good person yeah i guess well there's two things i would say to that one is like your what you're speaking on is i think a skill everyone should have but it's also not it doesn't exclude the ability to tell someone like hey that date that that wasn't for me but thank you so much Mm -hmm. and then run into them and then still be so kind and pleasant and generous towards them and i just think that's how everyone should engage with the world but if you saw someone out at a bar would you ask them why they ghosted you no i think i personally and i think we do this with roger that like we kind of want to dissuade people from trying to figure out why someone's not interested in them okay i just don't think that's good i don't think that's healthy yes same it's not your business it's none of your business why people don't like you focus on yourself you you know like if there are patterns in your life that emerge you can take some time to look at that but i don't think you need to be worried people don't like people all the time it's probably not personal um, another thing I wrote down is therapy speak and dating. Oh my God. Quote unquote boundaries, quote unquote capacity. Oh my goodness. Okay. Go. Um, are you, she, you haven't met her, you, so it's not our friend, but my friend Angie, <laughs> she sent me an article yesterday. It's called, should you ever cook dinner on a first date? And it, it follows three people who go on a first date and one of them goes over to the other person's house and the other party cooks dinner for them okay the two made plans to meet again over hot toddies and a game of chess at a bar but three days before the second date mr glacier bailed it was a bummer the woman said he texted me i have to cancel i want to be a little more conservative with my casual dating right now when prompted he cited a lack of chemistry first i would rather uh something horrible happened to me than have my swerve be published in the new york times (laughs) (laughs) imagine the confidence it would take to to not only go on a first date but to widely publicize it no report back to a journalist about how it went but like i that it to me is reading as like oh i just don't have the capacity sorry but was when prompted like the journalist cc'd on the email being like hey could you actually elaborate like what exactly did she do Or was it the person being like, <laughs> Did she why? say something weird? Was she point? weird? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, I have to cancel. I want to be a little more conservative with to my To me, that's the dating. lamest thing in the world. That's what? Saying that is like the most uncool thing ever. Mm-hmm. I think that person should have, personally, I think that person should have just said, it was so nice to meet you. I didn't feel a connection. And I want to cancel our date to respect your time. Do you not feel like you have to give a little bit more of a reason? To me, the first reason was a bullshit reason. Mm-hmm. And the second reason was the real reason. And if you can give the real reason, I think why not? Unless, I, I would say, give give the real category of the real reason. Mm-hmm. Don't give the actual reason. I just feel like there's a lot of crossover between um, ghosting and people complaining about ghosting and these neologisms is that the word i don't know what that means neologisms um of people being overly therapized right and we're like trying to be respectful of other people's times and boundaries and da 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 
which is something that I personally am not a big fan of. And being yeah. so forthcoming and like honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think the honesty is bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Mm. Just so like stiff and unsexy and autistic how everyone <laughs> needs everything to be broken down for them and like overly explained instead of just having like a healthy sense of intuition yeah and giving all of these manufactured speeches with like language that has been prescribed to us um and like taking such explicit care of other people's feelings that you don't even know yeah instead of just being like normal and natural and trusting that other people are going to take it that way i do feel frustrated with people especially just batting around like therapy language as a way to avoid saying what they actually want to say we're coming up with kind of like really i would say kind of like uncool excuses for selfishness yeah they're often weaponized in a way yeah that like, do what you want to do, but I don't have to kind of think that you're a great person for doing that. Mm-hmm. They're weaponized in a way that can make someone just do whatever they want, but, like, feel like a good person. Exactly. The fact. I would say that therapy, the the a pop therapy, net negative. Potentially. Hot take. That's a hot... That is a hot take. I don't like it. I actually have had the realization recently that therapists are giving out some of them bad advice yeah and i think that it's making people more neurotic i think it could be Mm -hmm. i feel frustrated with people's therapists um often seeming to give them the easy way out i don't think it's good to navel gaze (laughs) that's what a lot of it is okay well first of all that's my hobby so (laughs) that's really one of my favorite things to do actually kind of what i do every saturday morning (laughs) at the cafe but you're right Again, I'm not in people's therapy sessions. I forayed into therapy during the summer, and I was kind of like, what is this? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) you have a master's degree, so do I. I don't know anything. I have, yeah. I have lost a slight amount of confidence in therapy after working with a personal coach who was incredible and made me realize that um, some of the therapy I've done has been less efficient than I wished. I want to be challenged. I, I do have too. a feeling that people aren't being challenged. I th- I don't think they are because a lot of people I hear talk about their therapists and their therapists are saying things like, it's okay to not talk to a family member because you don't have capacity and you're tired and you don't want to engage. And to me, that's both sad and limiting and selfish. And I antisocial. Know, anti- a- antisocial and anti-connecting. Which, at the root of ghosting, is the desire for connection. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're scared of connection and you're letting yourself opt out of it in a lot of other areas in life, there's there's got to be a link between that and where we're at with dating. That brings up something that you mentioned at the beginning of ghosting in family. Oh, yeah. Which is something that I have been noticing a lot on specifically reddit exposing oh. myself as a redditor right no now. no problem but <laughs> there are girls on there people love going people love talking about how they're no contact with their parents you know people have been talking a lot about no contact yes you got to go nc no contact I, i've gone non-contact 
with a lot of people I've like hooked up with or or after breakups, but not like by being like we're no contact. It's just that I'm like I'm gonna hold myself to not reaching out to them because mm-hmm. I know that's what's best. For- I want I honestly want to be more reaching out because I think you that's should be ha- reaching out maxing. I I'm I'm reaching Extra out maxing. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna text max. <laughs> I think that a lot of people. I I can't really speak on this, but I do think that a lot of people are no contact with their family which as someone who really loves my family and is really close to them makes me super sad but I know that a lot of people don't have the same experience yeah I'm going to choose to be sympathetic and um be understanding to the fact that if someone feels like their family situation is so bad Mm -hmm. that that's their only solution you know I'm not going to comment on it Mm. but I will say that on the whole I think that loyalty is undervalued in mm-hmm. our culture mm-hmm. and it seems like on the whole people don't care as much about like the value of family and mm-hmm. the value of like being loyal to a certain person um, and instead at at a point when they're inconveniencing you mm-hmm. or it's no longer maybe like working out in your favor mm-hmm. that like you aren't going to be available to your relationships anymore. I feel like that's a problem in friendships too. Yes. And I I agree with you. I think there's like a piece of maybe comfort where, where people are prioritizing like how they feel all the time. Yeah. And I would love to see a little more persistence and just like putting in the time with people. I've seen that in my relationships where, over time, like time put into a relationship accumulates in a really incredible way. Even if it's not your closest or best or most like soulmate friend, there's, there's a lot of value there. Mm-hmm. And also like seeing how people grow. Yes. Having faith in people. Having faith in people, them seeing how you grow, experiencing, changing together, having someone who knows your past, even just like having connections. It's important. And on the topic of, seasons of friendships and then mm-hmm. also leaving the door open which mm-hmm. i think is an important thing to do mm-hmm. in friendships um i have relationships i have friendships where we go through like maybe years where we don't talk very much yeah and if someone is highly neurotic or sensitive i can see why they might think like oh we're not friends anymore like yeah they don't talk to me yeah but then years go by and we'll see each other and it's like like i mean sparks it's, fly it's like seeing an old friend because it is like seeing it an is old yeah and it's so great being able to know people for years and years and years and see yeah. how they've changed or not changed yeah or like what's going on with them now yeah i think it's very beautiful and i think that it's that's why it's nice to leave the door open on i any relationship i like that concept mm-hmm. it's something that people always talk about when they're leaving jobs like don't burn the the bridge like leave the door open you know like leave a good impression because you never know when you might run into people or want to come back or something that's true I think that that is a really good way of approaching friendships and I think and and relationships I think what it takes what I what I've seen it take for me is high is higher confidence because it takes a confidence to say like this isn't my favorite right now and I'm going to take a step back. No problem. I'm not going to have a bunch of shame about it. I'm not going to question it. I think when you're kind of predisposed to being a bit neurotic, everything can be challenging and everything is room for overthinking. 
And you can almost like shoot yourself in the foot when you over, when you like overemphasize things that are happening in your relationship. And it makes it hard to, it like almost just be chill. Mm-hmm. But I, and I hate saying like, just be chill, but the more chill I am, the better things go. I love being chill. What do you think is the, is the, the cure to neuroticism? <laughs> Throwing your Therapy. phone in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cure to neuroticism is probably something in the realm of acceptance. Like accepting accepting where you, where you're at how you feel about things trusting how you feel about people um letting yourself try things and make mistakes being okay with that and accepting like the way people act and i don't know i think when you go through the world trying to control it that's when it, when you can get really neurotic i think it's also impulse control mm. um which is really hard. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm impulsive, but I do ha- the few impulses that, that I do have, I have a really hard time curving. Right. And if it's your impulse to like overthink something yeah. or read too much into something, it's really hard um, to yeah. organize the tools for yourself where you don't do that. Thinking of that, thinking of overthinking or overanalyzing as kind of an, an impulse is an interesting framework because it can often feel kind of like a hobby mm-hmm. where it's like, well, why do I think about this more like shopping where it's something I don't always want to do yeah. and I need to, to decide. And that's something I've been working on, which is like, what are actually actual tools and frameworks I can have to help me not spiral into these mental patterns that are really unhealthy for me? What are they? I'm still kind of <laughs> like learning what they are. Cause this is why I've been working with this like coach lady who I really like. Um, but a lot of them are like, well, something I've been working on is when I feel like a way that I don't like or bad about myself or something, just try like in a, the cringiest way, trying to just like imagine that as like a littler version of me and just be like, I love you. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You you don't have, to, you can just be like this. Like it's completely understandable. No problem. And it literally, it just kind of like quiets it down and That's like lets cute. you keep going. But And I think what that does for me is just build like confidence, which just powers everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's hard. A lot of these are they're kind of kind of just like visualization tactics that you have to have in your brain. I know. Do you have any for your impulses? Honestly, like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Which is probably why I have such a hard time with them. I wish some of my impulses were getting me laid more. (laughs) I think my impulses are often like the wrong, the, the less cool ones. I was talking to her <laughs> friend the other night and she was saying, um, she was talking about getting rejected and how it's a healthy thing for women uh-huh. because she feels like men are rejected a lot more. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes when she's out and she's like drinking with her friend, she's like, should I text that guy? And her friend's like, yeah. Whoa. And then she wakes up in the morning and like he totally swerved her, like didn't answer, ghosted or whatever. And she's yeah. like, but I think it's good for me to have that. I think it's good for me to have like a little bit more shame and yeah. like check myself a little bit more. That's so interesting. Because her experience is like being a girl who, I don't know, like guys will 
respond, play into it. Yeah. Versus men. I don't know if this is true across the board, but like it's kind of a story that's oft told of like men always have to be shooting their shot. Men have to be approaching women and then getting struck down, but getting back up again. Right. I feel like that is probably true. Like, I think I've probably gotten rejected fewer times than I've rejected people, like, verbally, maybe. Mm-hmm. I've, I am, like, late right now trying to do the opposite thing, which is to, like, almost, like, flirt more. Yeah. And be more open to inviting people in, because sometimes that can feel kind of scary or, like, almost, like, wrong or, like, slutty or something. <laughs> I think that's just, like, my personal background, but it's interesting how every, what like what wor- what everyone kind of needs is so personalized and i think it just takes time to figure out like what do you want it's okay i mean the I whole problem with this whole, with this entire thing that we're talking about is we're trying to generalize something that's so specific i know and it's you're trying so to personal. provide a one size fits all answer to different things that people want different things that people expect yeah and I'm like the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I feel like the general consensus has been swaying in a direction that is opposite with what I agree with. Right. Which being that being kind of like the over therapized. I think everyone should be more chill. I think that people should expect less. And now it's like people expecting more and having to provide more. Mm -hmm. You're having to provide more reason. You're having to provide more communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that's overall feeding more into neuroticism. I think that I think there's truth to what you're saying. The thing I would like push back on a little bit is like that the phenomenon of ghosting is kind of like arisen from casual dating culture yeah which is not new but it's sort of new yeah and I think people feel really wounded by it because there is always a certain group there's a certain mass of people that are okay with casual dating at whatever point in their life they're at and then there's a certain group that are not and I think that those can often like people can get can feel really used and misled in dating environments. And there definitely are situations where people are like totally led on mm-hmm. in a way that's unfair, sometimes even like unsafe. And I think those are the times where asking for more or asking for a reason or asking for just simply communication doesn't feel like a weird uh, like an annoying kind of therapized thing it actually just feels like the bare minimum like <laughs> why can't why can't someone say that they're ready to stop seeing you that's, that's where true. that's where I feel the most like frustration and pain coming from in the people like we have interviewed or talked to mm-hmm. not in people who are okay with the the whole game of dating I don't know I can see that I mean, like I've said before, it is a very vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. And it is probably born out of um, non-confrontational. Like, we don't really have to be confrontational anymore. You literally don't have to confront yeah. anyone. You don't have <laughs> to see anyone at the bar and have them be like, why did you do that thing to me? How come you didn't text me Yeah, back? totally. How come you never called me? Which is, like, kind of an, a baked-in flaw where it's like, well, if you, if in your small town 
it's not a small town and you never run into anyone you've hurt you can get away with a lot exactly yeah you can run that you can run (laughs) you can run around every (laughs) every neighborhood in this town (laughs) start fresh you can be ran through um and Uh, i think with the advent of our devices it i don't know i'm kind of trending towards the idea that we don't really have to be confrontational anymore Mm -hmm. and maybe we should just be leaning into that interesting because i don't really think that it's going to go back the other way i just don't buy that people were more confrontational before I think you had to be. I just think they were having more awkward conversations. Yeah. But like because of that, because of I just think like we should be having more awkward conversations. I think as a society, our tolerance for awkwardness has decreased to a dangerous oh low. Oh, God. So true. I can't. And I also think <laughs> that people misrepresent their own experiences in a way that makes other people feel confused about what it means to just live their life. How do you mean? Like, I think people maybe dramatize or... Like, sometimes I just wish people would be more honest of, like, oh, I ran into my ex, like, and I, this was the most stupid conversation of my life. Mm-hmm. And instead, I feel like I'm getting, like, a half-truth. That's just a personal gripe. <laughs> That's a personal gripe. Let's not focus on that. <laughs> I think that most things are really awkward, and if you're paying attention to life, it's super awkward all the time. A lot of the time. And I that's kind of funny. Things are only awkward when you feel awkward. That's, that's that's quite true i very rarely feel awkward um so i feel like i don't have a lot of interactions but i'm sure if you ask the people who i'm interacting with they might feel differently well i think there's the moment that you accept awkwardness is the moment it stops being awkward a little bit yeah but the moment that someone says this is awkward (laughs) is the moment that that person becomes a huge baddie say that anymore but that used to be oh, a this big is awkward. thing back in the day yeah oh, i hate that you're right people <laughs> don't really say that things are do you remember wait i don't know if this was your time or not <laughs> people used to say awkward turtle oh yeah i remember what that was that? awkward turtle oh that was a rough time that was around the same time that everyone was doing little mustaches on their yes. fingers <laughs> that was awful awkward turtle what the fuck? That's so weird. Why were you saying that? There's some things I'm saying right now that I'm going to look back on and be like, why was I saying slay? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and I already feel like I'm too old. Sorry. Am I, uh, am I geriatric? Am I geri- geriatric podcast interviewer? <laughs> I got insecure after, um, again, I was born in 96. So I'm kind of always like, whoa, I don't know if I'm a Zoomer or a millennial. I think you're a, mo- you're a Zoomer. Sorry. Josh. He's like, you're such a millennial. Are you kidding me? uh, Well, I guess Josh is such a Zoomer. Such a Zoomer. And now as the generation has unfolded a bit more, I'm now realizing that I'm very much on the cusp. Really? Well, maybe not not culturally, but like according to the numbers. But I would say that 96 is where I've seen most people say it, it begins. I think you're probably more of a Zoomer. Thank you. I consider myself but. to be a geriatric Zoomer. Yeah. Oh, I was saying this the other night that like the cutoff that I saw was Lord's birthday. Who's that? Lord. Oh, Lord Disick? No. I mean, what? what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about one of Courtney Kardashian's <laughs> sons. But then I was like, they don't have a son called Lord. <laughs> Lord Scott Disick. No. <laughs> Lord Scott Disick. Lord like the singer. 
Oh, how old is she? She is two weeks older than me. No, younger. What? She Wait, was born in early Who said November. that? Why? I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> it was like, if you're younger than Lord, then you're a Zoomer. And if you're older than Lord, then you're a millennial. And I'm two weeks older than Lord. Okay. Well, well where does that leave me? I guess technically by that, that, by that rule, I'm person a person is the the anthropologist of our time exactly i don't know i know a lot of people born in 96 who call themselves gen z i think that they're reaching like i like i obviously like to identify as young of course i was always friends with people older than me (laughs) i always like dated people older than me and i was always like oh i'm so young but do you want to be identified as an anti-capitalist because that's what this entire generation apparently i don't anymore (laughs) i feel old enough now where that, um, I mean, I don't think it's a rule, but it's something that people say where like, if you aren't a liberal when you're in your early 20s, then you're heartless. And if you aren't a conservative by your mid 30s, then you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I'm getting there. I I also see that. I'm adopting some conservative politics for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like nobody wants to work these days. <laughs> They just want to be in their houses, Uh, on their computers. I don't know. I can't really identify that much either way. Do you, you, you're, you're definitely a zoomer. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm Gen Z. Yeah. I also feel like I was like kind of sheltered. So I feel sometimes even a bit younger than I am. I think maybe if I had experienced the internet in the early 2000s, I would have felt a little more millennial, but I did not. Do you think that it makes you feel more mature in other ways and less mature in in some yeah I think like I think I don't sometimes have these like cultural touchstones like I don't know like music or there's certain things I didn't consume and so I feel a bit but then you're probably more mature in other ways of like you didn't have to be babied by teachers and stuff yeah maybe I was like maybe reading more or something but you probably aren't like as responsive to authority (laughs) or maybe like even like rebellious against it (sighs) I don't know I think my relationship to authority is could be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm way more impacted by authority. Because it's newer? No, because it's like, well, because I grew up in the church, so I think I had like oh. pretty high authority um, bar. High regard. For high regard for authority. But then I also get like a real thrill out of going against the grain which I I have trouble it. accepting as part of me but it's totally part of me and I just pretend that it's like a random thing but you want to go with the grain no against oh like if, yeah. if everyone's doing something I'm like I'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty reactive I I don't like authority and I'm a, I'm naturally quite resistant to it yeah I skipped a lot of school nice when I was a teenager I had a car and I had a boyfriend with an apartment. I was like, I'm not going to your class. Wow. I'm not going to your second period. <laughs> <laughs> I had a car and I had a boyfriend with an apartment. And trust me, I made use of both of those things. <laughs> I remember one time I was in the bathroom. Like I got, had gotten to school kind of late. And then the rule for first period was you had to be there by the national anthem. Because they played the national anthem every <laughs> single day. Oh, it's very American of your Canadian school. I know. It was wild. They did that all the time through all of my schooling. Um, it sound weird if I lay like this. So I was in the bathroom and then the national anthem came, came on. And I was like, oh, fuck. I got to go all the way up to Mr. Whoever's office <laughs> or class. 
um, and it was so far. And you like you can't walk during the national anthem. You have to be stood still. What? Yeah. Who was in the halls? So I left slightly early. The national anthem hadn't finished yet. And I was like, well, I have to get to my first period, otherwise I'm going to be marked late. I go into the hallway, and then there's some random lady there, some like teacher, I guess, and she starts chewing me out for like for walking during the national anthem <laughs> she's like you don't respect our really country disrespectful. <laughs> was was reaming me out for how disrespectful i was being and it upset me so much i turned on my heels and i walked out of school and i got into my car and went home see that is like so baller to me i still don't think i could do that oh my god i was so over it like i was like 17 i think I that's like so cool <laughs> i probably felt super cool when i was while i was doing it <laughs> There's something I maybe it's more of like a people pleasing strain, but I'm like, uh, oh, no, I'm trying to break it intentionally right now. I'm pretty apathetic. Yeah. And unfortunately, I always have been. I don't really think that that's a virtue at all. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I've always been apathetic. <laughs> I kind of don't care. Yeah. Um, and I think that that caring was, is the is the hard one <laughs> caring sucks it um, does so lame it's but that was definitely cool. exacerbated by my um by my run-ins by my few run-ins with authority but like also i've never been very bombastic and been kind of under the radar and if you really want to evade authority that's the way to do it. it's to be under the radar yes. yeah that is part of my problem with authority is i was never under the radar and i also cared a lot and so it was impossible for me to like undo where I felt like I was in terms of the radar. Real G's move in silence. <sighs> Can't let them know your next move. That's why it hurts to be posting about needing a sublet <laughs> or an apartment in New York. And if you're listening to this and it's not yet the end of March, I'm probably still looking for a place <laughs> in Ridgewood, Bushwick. <laughs> Have you gotten any bites? No, hmm, no bites. It's hard out here. I mean, it used up all my good karma on this sublet. It's kind of early. Like, I know so many people in New York who literally, like, they have to move out that weekend and they do not have a place yet. That and might these happen are, like, to me. Responsible, like, smart people who are well connected and, like, have good jobs. And I'm like, how are you not losing your mind? Okay, right so that might happen. Yeah. I think I'm in a place where, like, I'm okay with that this time. I mean, at least you don't have enough stuff that you need to, like, fully move out. Yeah. The, the only problem would be, like, my my other place but i guess i could up. get it into a storage unit it's like oh. i have stuff there so if i if i can't find a place here no problem like i can probably figure it out i could even like airbnb i could get a yeah. i could go to josh's i could go home to my parents but the main problem is the timing of my other place the 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 idea of looking for an apartment is a whole nother battle <laughs> Because I think in my mind, I was like, someone will have a room or someone will ha already have a place and they just need one more person or something yeah. like that. Or it's someone will be like putting together a group and they'll be kind of like leading the charge. That's what you should do. That would be the ideal situation. Finding an apartment just yourself, like point blank. is, Or even like trying to rally a crew and no. then help. I don't even know, I think, even how to do that here. No. Frankly, anywhere. You have to like go see, you have to pay a broker's fee. That's why I'm not leaving my apartment. This is such a nice place. I don't want to leave if I, if I have to. The other thing about this place is it's like, it's charming and cute and has a nice floors and stuff, but it's not old. Yeah, that's true. 
It's fine. I mean, we get a cockroach here and there. No big deal. I think it's n- I think it's great. <laughs> it's not that bad. I line the walls with uh, like boric acid. Oh wait, what do you mean? Boric acid is it keeps the cockroaches like at on bay. the floorboards. Yeah, oh, okay. I haven't done it in a while, so you, it might have um, faded at this point. That's good. I, it's good to know there's a solution. I haven't seen a cockroach in John's place yet, so I feel like his place is probably fine. It's gonna freak me out. It, they're rare. Really? But one time we moved the couch and there was a big dead cockroach on the bottom. Oh my god! And then this happened to me recently. This was the worst experience. So I <laughs> I, <laughs> I was out this. at the bar ha- having drinks with friends. <laughs> Great As, night, of course. I was gonna stop and get some pizza on the way home. Oh, that sounds good. Went into the pizza place. They had garlic knots instead, and they were like cheaper than a piece of pizza i was drunk okay. i was like whatever i'll get some garlic yeah, that sounds like great. went into the street ate three immediately standing alone in the street <laughs> <laughs> perfect maybe, maybe like two um got on the l train at the bedford stop by grand or graham or something okay. just like a couple stops afterwards yeah. i was like oh i feel fucking insane right now like something's not right like sick sick like cold sweats holy S- felt so weak Oh no. Um and then by Montrose the next stop I was like I have to get off the train. Oh no. Awful. I got off the train, could barely get up the stairs and then I just like found someone's stoop right outside of the train oh. and just lay down on oh. it. Oh. And like straight up I would have stayed there all night. What happened? I don't know. Did you throw up or anything? No. Oh. But I was texting Ruby and I was like something's wrong. I think it was the garlic knots or do you think it was like It was the garlic knots. 100%. That happened immediately. Um, <sighs> See, that scares me because a lot of times when I eat something that makes me feel a bit weird, I get this anxiety that's worse than whatever happened. And then I tell myself, like, there's no way you could get food poisoning that fast. I know. That's what I always thought. <laughs> but, like, immediately upon eating, maybe it was something else. I well, and sometimes, well, it sounds like you felt really weird. I did. But sometimes you feel really weird for a short amount of time right after eating something. So I was going to lay there all night. And Ruby was like, just get a car. And I was like, I can't. Like, I can't Aww. get into the car. I can't, See, like, that's the thing the I hate about right New York. Now. Like, nobody can come pick you up from anything. Ruby came and got me in an Uber. Okay. And then I never take baths here. But this is where the story comes back around. I took a bath in this bathtub. <laughs> the way I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I took a bath. And then I was getting out of the bathtub. And I took my towel off of the towel rack. Okay. And as I did this, a massive fucking cockroach, bigger than I've ever seen. Out of your towel? Out of my towel. I don't understand. How did it get up there? I don't know. Can they was... can they scale walls? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my <gasps> God. They're fast, too. Oh, my God. They and have sometimes legs. they can fly. They have sticky legs? I just yeah. thought they were kind of heavy. I didn't think they could go up walls. Oh, my God. I'm scared it now. It blew out of my towel and then, like, buried itself away into my <gasps> cabinet. Oh. <laughs> I was horrified. Why do I have shivers going up my spine? And then the other day I was cooking something and I opened the cupboard above the sink and standing on my mortar and pestle was a cockroach looking back at me. (laughs) (laughs) Holy F. I like knocked it into the sink and tried to drown it. Oh my God. I think I'm going to like, I think I should have a little more fear. Like when I get my first one, it's going to scare the crap out of me. It sucks, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a problem. Like we've had like less than 10 in the two and a half years that we've lived here. Also, and the your exterminator comes. Y- the exterminator has come, or he, he comes regularly. Oh, as preventative. That's good. Does it get worse when you're on like a ground floor? Allegedly. Okay, but I also know people. Who Is live it worse in, like, in Manhattan? 
because it feels like it's think, worse the trope comes from there oh, i see them walking around on the streets really cockroaches i, I see them like circling like they're in a prayer circle ew god they're disgusting um i've heard that it's worse in manhattan and like i've heard i, I know people who, who live in like a nice new building and like a nice part of I town have like i have cockroaches i'm like yeah you can't escape them it's, it's so not like weird. living in like a dirty old place no they're just kind of everywhere does this happen in like chicago and like other cities they're really bad in new york yeah it's a problem huh just i'm like the rats. curious like how they haven't ever really been able to figure that out i know because it feels like rats i'm kind of like yeah you know what i don't know but sh- cockroaches i'm like we have chemicals i know we have like foam I mean, what do you hear about happening? the rats are? The rats are? Sar? It's like yeah. C-Z-A-R. Is they that the person that dressed up as a rat? No, no. Oh. No, I hate him, though. Have you seen him? He's um, always in Union Square. I have listened to like a whole ass podcast about that person, I think. I hate him. Wait, is the rats are the person who was like training the pizza rat? No, it's this guy okay. who dresses up. He puts on a rat tail and a rat head and he acts like a rat in union square that sounds really fun he's almost as bad as the carpet guy who's the carpet guy the carpet guy's in like the lower east side and his kink is like rolling up in a carpet and getting people to step on him what <laughs> like he's around ew i know but like so he doesn't random. jack off or anything he just yeah. like that's what he likes to do and he's always in like the bars in like Times Square and shit. Oh, you mean like he's a regular guy? Yeah. And yeah, when he yeah. takes like, like girls home. No, no. Oh. He doesn't he definitely doesn't like get pussy from from rolling himself up in a carpet. Like he he goes around in his carpet and then he rolls himself up and he in wants public. To, yes. And he wants people to step on him. Okay. That's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm gonna stop recording. Okay. But <sighs> tell people about your project your podcast yeah where they can find it okay thank you so much um you can find our podcast it's called roger that and it's on spotify and apple music and you can follow our instagram account at ask roger that on instagram and we are putting on a few more episodes of the show but taking a little bit of a break from actively producing a ton of content part of that is because I'm in Brooklyn right now and Kelly and I are separated, but it's something we really care about. And, um, we're definitely, this is not the end of Roger that. So there's more to come. There's more to come. Please stay tuned. Thanks for bringing me on your podcast. Thank you for coming. Send your spirit across the sea. Whoa, send your heart to me. Whoa.